Have you heard the old saying, don't judge a book by its cover? But that's what people do, right? We judge everything by outward appearances. In my experience, a great album cover can make or break the decision on whether I buy an album. So go on a journey with me as we look at some great album cover designs and talk about why I believe that you need a personal designer for your album artwork. This is Judged by the Cover. Welcome back to the Judged by the Cover podcast. Today, we've got a special episode for you. I have the man, the myth, the legend, Phil Highland oh, in, man. in the studio with me today. Uh, he is a singer-songwriter. He's a great friend of mine. And he graciously graciously said yes to sitting down with me and talking about some tunes, some music, some album covers. So it's going to be a little bit different uh, format from what you're used to. But uh, let's just shoot it over to Phil. Phil, tell tell everybody who you are, where you come from, all the fun stuff. Oh, man. Well, I come from uh, Richmond, Virginia. And, you know, Richmond, like uh, some other special cities out there, is a it's a music town. And there's so many... Um, cool little bands that have come out of Richmond and in high school, I was, it was always like everyone I knew was in a band. So I felt like, okay, you go to high school and then you get in a band. And that was like the work ethic back then. It seemed like in, at least in my mind, it was like, well, that's what you do. You, yeah. you go to high school and then you start a band. I mean, all these crazy bands like uh till Tuesday, that was a great band with Amy Mann and it. She was from Richmond. Okay. Uh, Pat Benatar had a brief Richmond, uh, you know, start. It just, it just a really vibrant music scene, a lot of indie bands. So that's kind of what I did. I, I started out in the theater in Richmond. You know, I was a young actor at the age of, uh, I think I started around 16, 17. Okay. And um, that was my introduction into um, plays and then, Eventually, I got into the Screen Actors Guild doing some acting work. So yeah. it, it was an interesting uh, time, but that's me. You know, spent my whole career, even now, either in front of the camera or behind the scenes. Now, mainly behind the scenes. Um, worked at Warner Brothers Studios for 10 years. I worked at Panavision Hollywood for 10 years. I've worked on shows like The X-Files and The Camera Department. And... Um, on camera and such shows as like CBS school break specials, you know, like these after kids, <laughs> you know, you come home after school and it's like a kid show, but yeah. that's how I got my start. Dude, that's awesome. So literally, you know, there's people where it's like, people will say, Oh, this guy's done everything. Cause you know, people just have stories. No, this guy's literally done everything. And I think that's what makes you so cool. <laughs> uh, and so kind of talking about the music. Um, so you kind of started in high school I know you ended up in New York. Mm -hmm. How did you, how did that happen? I think as an actor, um, it's like a couple, couple roads to uh, starting your career out in Richmond, Virginia. I'd kind of, that was a great foundation, but there wasn't a lot going, going on. There would be like civil war movies that would come to town and I would get like a bit part. I'd get like a one line <laughs> in a, uh, it was Gore Vidal's Lincoln. I had one little quick line. But that line made me eligible for Screen Actors Guild. So you you learn quickly, like, I'm probably not going to have as enough opportunity for potential work in Richmond. So I moved to Hollywood. Mm -hmm. um, you know, some I think looking back, I think a few people were blowing a little smoke up my, you know, like, oh, you can go out there and be the next Michael J. Fox. I'm like, oh, yeah, that sounds like a great idea. 
again, this is, I didn't have a lot of career direction. You know, I started this <laughs> yeah. thing saying like, oh, I thought you were supposed to go to high school, then start a band. I mean, no one ever said that, you know, <laughs> no logical person ever said that to a young man. I really needed a mentor yeah. is what I needed. Yeah. But I went to Hollywood. I was 19 years old and, um, you know, I'll be on a little personal note. My parents were going through a divorce, mm-hmm. so it was a great uh, guise to be like, okay, well, <laughs> my home life is falling <laughs> apart right now, so I think I'll move to Hollywood. I was going to go at age 18, but my father was adamant. He's like, there's no way you're yeah. moving to Hollywood. He yeah. knew what goes on out there. I didn't know what yeah. was going on out there. Yeah. He's like, there's no way I'm sending my son at 18 years old to move to Hollywood. So he made me wait. And I worked in Richmond. I did a bunch of shows and um, I moved at 19, um, got an agent, uh, networked, connected with um, people who in Richmond, there was an actor named Blair Underwood. He was in Law and Order or something like that. One of those shows or L.A. Law knows L.A. Law. Okay. And so, you know, you'd network with people like, oh, well, Blair Underwood was from Virginia. Why don't you call him and see what his (laughs) advice is? I'd call him and I'm like, what's your advice, Blair, for a young guy in Hollywood? He's like, it's a numbers game. Just get it. I was like, you suck. (laughs) Great advice. (laughs) Yeah. Great advice. But I did what any any other young actor does. Yeah. You get an agent and you hit it, man. And um, yeah, I did like TV TV shows a lot. So much B B level work, you <laughs> yeah. know. But that's all I knew, you know. Yeah. I didn't go to college. I did some community college out there, which is kind of how I got into songwriting. But um, yeah, man, L.A. first. Okay, okay. So L.A. first, then New York. Then New York. And I will say, like, I definitely was was serious about it. You know, I, I studied, I took acting classes, I, I studied the method, method acting, yeah. which was hot. I'm talking like, I'm a little older. This is like in the, I moved to Hollywood in 1988, okay? okay. So, you, you know, back then, <laughs> method acting was still kind of cool. Then another technique came in called the Meisner technique, but... I was definitely studying the method acting because that's what all the all the real actors the, did. The cool like actors, Brando and De Niro, and <laughs> basically, it's just a painful way to uh, evoke you know a response within yourself. But we won't go down that rabbit hole. This is about music. <laughs> so, who were some of your influences? We'll get to mm-hmm. we'll get to the new song in a second. Sure, uh, but let's talk a little bit about music. So, who were some of your influences? Kind of got you into songwriting, creating music, stuff like that. Yeah, so um, I think for me, the first band I ever saw was a band called The Kinks. And okay. that's, you know, Ray Davies and his brother. They were huge in the 80s. I mean, mm-hmm. if you if you just go back and look up The Kinks on, on the streaming platforms, they were in heavy rotation. Because, you know, I'm from the generation when the cable, literally the cable, came to our neighborhood and then... My parents would never let us have cable, so I would go up and watch MTV at my buddy George's house because his parents didn't care. Right, you know, right. You can watch MTV until three in the morning if you want, yeah. and so that, that's where we learned about all these bands. So the Kinks were a great UK band, and mm-hmm. um, they came to my hometown. That was my first concert, and I was like, "Whoa, those are those guys are awesome." Lola, they had the song Lola. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. So they were a huge influence, and then. You know, I always tell people, well, I'm from Richmond, Virginia. And they're like, well, is that really the South? I'm like, yeah, it, it, it's the South. You know, it's below the Mason-Dixon line. So um, 
you know, REM was touring. You get mm-hmm. to see REM for 10 bucks. Wow. Um, some of those other bands from Athens, Georgia, there's a great documentary called Athens, Georgia, Inside Out. So REM was a huge influence. Yeah. Once I heard REM, it was game over for me. I'm like, <laughs> okay, I just want to do that kind of weird music, abstract lyrics, but really cool sounds. Yeah, yeah. I love it. Again, you've got a new song coming out um, called Too Good. We'll be talking about it in a second, but... This song isn't necessarily a Phil Highland song. Um, right. It's a girlfriend song. So tell us about Girlfriend. Where did Girlfriend come from? All yeah. that fun stuff. So after L.A., you know, um, you know, your next tour stop is going to be New York or it could be Europe. So mm-hmm. I was like, OK, well, what do I do? I mean, there are many stories about L.A. Part of it was an escape from L.A. It was just crazy. <laughs> oh, too no. much. Too much of everything. Yeah. So um Got out of L.A., moved to New York, and I was living in Brooklyn with uh, my girlfriend at the time. And, uh, you know, I was still doing the acting. And what was the question again? What brought me there? Girlfriend. Oh, girlfriend. Yeah. So I broke up with that girl. And then then, um, she was a sweet, sweetheart. God bless her. And um, I... You know, I was single, I was doing demos in the city, I was acting, that's about the time I did the school break special uh, for CBS, and every time I'd go do an acting job, I'd bring a guitar with me, Mm -hmm. and you know, it's just kind of like, guitar became a part of me, and was like, everywhere I went, I brought the guitar, and started doing open mic nights in downtown, uh, in Soho, and all these open mic uh, bars and venues in the city. Because that's what you did. This yeah. is like just pre-boy band. There was a big artist on the scene named Jeff Buckley. I mean, a lot of people know Jeff Buckley from, um, he covered uh, Leonard Cohen's song, Hallelujah. Okay. So Hallelujah is like in the Shrek movie. Yeah, and I think yeah, yeah, they yeah. used Jeff Buckley's version in the Shrek movie, if I'm not mistaken. But that was huge. Like what Jeff Buckley was doing, it was all about the music in... I'm talking like 1990, 91, 92, 93. So I'm kind of in that scene. I'm not a Jeff Buckley. I'm not saying that. But <laughs> yeah. Jeff was playing similar you know, venues around town. So I'm the solo artist. And I'm not like a great singer. And I'm really not a great songwriter. And I went to um, the Actors Playhouse one night because a couple buddies of mine were doing this play well one friend of mine was doing this play called adam and the great fish and so they go oh it's an it's an open bar night it's like producer night why don't you come I'm like so me and you know I, I came of course right so i met the woman who is now my wife she was in the show uh playing she was a singing mermaid and i was just a singing puerto rican mermaid and i'm like <laughs> wow this woman's voice is incredible and i knew i needed something to help me Career-wise, I'm like, I, I just wasn't, you know, it wasn't happening for me as a solo artist. So under the guise of, let's do coffee, you know, <laughs> I, I kept running into her. There's a whole yeah. other story with that. But I met Robin, Robin Cryer, who's now Robin Highland, met her at the Actors Playhouse. And the long and the short is um, we got together and we didn't start writing music right away. We wrote a teleplay first because, okay. you know, in New York, you're either you're always doing you're either TV, movie, whatever, right. writer, right. creator. So we eventually started the band Girlfriend because we just kind of something happened like lightning struck and we started writing together. So that yeah. I met met Robin and we started Girlfriend in the city. And that was and it quickly became known that 
she's the lead singer. (laughs) (laughs) This isn't about Phil. Right. (laughs) No, I I love that, you know, that you were like pursuing this actor dream, but like the music thing just kind of kept following you. Yeah, it's... um... Because when I was in L.A. and I I did dip into community college a little bit and, um, of course, you know, never finished because, you know, that's a whole other story. <laughs> yeah, yeah. But I did take a really great night class at UCLA Extension. So you could go to UCLA, uh, actually on the campus. I, there's no way I'd ever get into UCLA, <laughs> right. but I could take this like, you know, extension course at night through their program. And I took this creative writing class and this teacher was incredible. Yeah. And she taught me po- how to write poetry, like how to mm. kind of get into creative writing. And I really credit that, that class with kind of opening something up in me where it's like, I was able to take all the jumbled thoughts in my brain and I was able to write you know, verses. And then mm-hmm. I put them to, you know, that put them to guitar chords. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> that helped me, um, start writing for girlfriend. Nice. So the new song coming out called too good. Mm-hmm. This is a song that you wrote quite a while ago. Mm-hmm. How come, uh, you're just now recording it. Like what happened with that song? Right. What that song, I never forgot that song. We played that song live. And at one point we had a, just a really great five piece band and we were playing all around you know the clubs in new york city and that song was always in our set list and my lead guitarist came up with this great like lead riff on it and it was just one of those songs where for whatever reason we never got into the studio to record it and um it always stuck with me i detuned the guitar and i like that i like to play like a detuned guitar just sounds so rich so it's a fun song to play for me and um and, you know, then life happens. You get married, you know, yeah. you have kids. Uh, you can't be in the band Girlfriend forever. Yeah. Or, ca- yeah. or can you? And, <laughs> and then you Well, just, if you marry the lead singer, you kind of get to. I guess you can. Yeah, that's, that's right. And it just was one of those things where it's yeah. like, you know, now where I'm at, you know, in my age and the season of life, as they say, it's like, why not, man? I've got all yeah. this, all these songs. Let me just track this thing. So we went to a studio in downtown Chattanooga called Wavelength, and we laid it down. And it's just, um, it's a girlfriend song. Yeah, it's pop. Yeah. So uh, tell me backstory on the song. Like, what's the song about? You don't have to give us everything. Sure. But tell us a little bit about it. I think really for me that that song is a moment. Like personally, it was just a quick moment. It was actually like a split second moment, and maybe in a in a longer story. But when you're trying to get the attention of someone you're interested in, you know, a, a love interest, and it's unrequited love. You know, it's like you feel like you're talking to this, for me anyway, okay, so I'm talking to this woman, but I'm getting zero response. <laughs> yep. but, you know, but there is some kind of engagement happening, you know, yeah. we're both talking. Yeah. But it just seems like, you know, you're not making that connection. Um, and whatever, you know, discourse you guys did have, it didn't, it may not even resonate with that person. So it's kind of like one of those frustration songs. You're like, wow, okay, I'm, I'm like head over heels for this person, but they are not, I'm not even registering on their radar. You're not getting it. Right. Yeah. I love it. Uh, so it's, it, it's a really cool song. It's got this really funky breakdown halfway through, which is really awesome. 
um and if you're cool we didn't even talk about this but we can edit this out if we need to is uh what do you think about playing just a small snippet for for people and then we come back sure i love it let's do it all right Featuring Phil Highland. You can pick it up wherever you like to get music, also at philhighland.com. And now we're going to jump back into some conversation that happened while the music was playing. Sorry, I kept trying to pull you away from like your acting stuff to the music. Yeah. And I wasn't trying to do that. Oh, no. I think, well, they're all connected. I mean, and the truth be told is like my quote unquote acting career is very short lived. Um, I kind of wrapped it up in New York City. I was I was up for the show called Rent. It was a huge, yeah. huge Broadway yeah, show, that. and so I was um, had multiple auditions for the role of Roger, which is the lead role. And Adam Pascal obviously got that that role, and he was a musician too, still is a musician. And um, it was right before Rent came along. I told my manager at the time, I was like, I'm done. You know, I, I, what was going on with me is like. Being an actor, it's like the rejection, if you don't have the thickest of skins, that rejection gets to you. You can go out on three, four calls a day, or may if you're lucky, or you yeah. know, whatever your cycle of auditions is per week. And the odds of booking, it's such a high low game. You know, I'd book something, I'd go out of town, I'd do the job, I'd feel like a million bucks, I'd come home, <laughs> and then I wouldn't work for like months at a time yeah and and so really you know like how you said in the opener when you were kind of you know introducing me i just had to have multiple jobs just to cover it yeah to make my way i was a photo photographic assistant (laughs) i worked in movie sound stages i did stage rigging I work shows as a front of house guy i'm not mixing but you know always like in some kind of crew capacity when I wasn't working as an actor. So mainly I was doing a lot of crew work. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. But there are some great stories. I mean, being, if you want to talk about the 
the this Baja men experience I had, <laughs> you know, the photographer I worked for, his name was Dale May, and he was my drummer, but he was a professional photographer. Yeah. And so I do photo assist work. And that's a great gig. I mean, even now I think it's a great gig. You know, if you're in any of these major cities, you can make a decent amount of money. So he gets his job to do a photo shoot with a band called the Baja Men. And it's like, <laughs> it's down in the Bahamas. I'm like, yeah. oh, well, that's cool. Let's go. You know, so we fly to the Bahamas. I didn't know who the Baja Men were. And um, we're on the beach shooting the band. And basically, it's a big family band. It's like you've got the elders, the dads have yeah. been around doing it, the band for a long time. They're wildly famous in. Uh, the Outs- Caribbean, yeah, outside, the, of- outside of the U.S. So I'd never heard of them. We're down there, and the sons are kind of taking over. You know, they're the sons are now the front men, and so we've got mm-hmm. them lined up on the beach. We're shooting them. We know it's for a new release. Um, we're doing a lot of beach shots, and uh, while we're on the beach, one of the elders, Mo, he and I are hanging out he's got like a you know a jeep kind of on the beach and he's got the back open he's like hey man do you want to you want to hear our new single i'm like of course sure, totally yeah, you know on. we're like in between setting up shots i'm like totally want to hear your new single so he breaks out a boom box in the back of the jeep and it has a cassette right so yeah. this is you could let's when when did this song come out he plays me this song it's called who let the dogs out and i'm like what is this crap you know who First of all, the title is terrible. Yeah. <laughs> Who let the dogs out? And then I you hear the opening line, it's got this beat. I you know, I'm like an indie New York New Yorker. Yeah, cool guy. music. Yeah, I'm like I'm like into real emotional kind of music and <laughs> you know, navel gazing and all that. I'm a total slacker and the, Who let the dogs out? This is like Pitbull before there was yeah, Pitbull. Right. Right. So I hear this song and I'm like Wow, that's just gonna go absolutely nowhere. And I, you know, like yeah. pleasantries with this guy. I'm like, oh, that's so cool. Yeah. Oh, so man. we we wrap up the shoot. And I will say these guys are awesome. And we went into like the hood where where they're from and we did these shoots. And it's like being it's like being with the mafia. You're super protected. Like, no, yeah. they're royalty down there. Yeah. So we get back to New York and you know, I don't know, a few months later. You could, like, who let the dogs out is everywhere. 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 <laughs> I'm watching baseball games and the song comes out. Turns out it's an old, like, Trinidadian uh, carnival song. There's, like, some deep history to this to the song. Yeah. But um, I think it's Steve Greenberg was the label guy who brought this song to the Baja Men. Huge hit. Yeah. So it goes to show you, like, I know absolutely zero about the music business, <laughs> you know, when it yeah. comes to the music business. Right, I was thinking right. about that. I was like, what? So wild to be like, hear that on his cassette. The album was super fun. And and, and then I got, I kind of got it. I'm like, oh yeah, it's a party song, dude. Right. Just, right. It's a, it, not every song has to be like, I'm going to kill myself because <laughs> my girlfriend left me. You know, I'm like, some songs can be about who let the dogs out. Right, right. It's, it, you know, uh, it's kind of the bane of top 40 music, which I think we've kind of talked about it. Yeah. Uh, I hate how simple some of it is, but the problem is it's catchy. Like, it gets stuck in your ear and you can't help oh, yeah. but like just sing along. And that's, I think that was exactly part of it. And then what movie was it? Was it like Madagascar? 
What movie had that that also, I think, helped in making it? Oh, right. It could have been. Yeah, uh, you know, it could have been that one. I mean, I don't, I'm not really up on those I probably should movies. have looked into that. When my kids were younger, I could have told you right away. <laughs> right. But now it's, <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> it's a little dim. Uh, so that's just a, just a little sneak peek into, like, the stories that this man has. And so I love it. Um, and it's also kind of cool. Like, I feel like, you know, everybody, Phil, like you're like the constant networker. And we'll get into that a little bit because I want to pick your brain for some advice for, you know, some, you know, people either aspiring songwriters and stuff like that. Right. So we'll get into that in a second. So too good. Uh, where can people find it? Because we it, it'll come out May 2nd, which will technically be a few days before you hear this. Um, so it'll be out. Where can people find the song? Well, you can go to my website. It's Phil Highland and it's P H I L H Y L A N D PhilHighland.com, or it's on any of the streaming platforms. Anyone that you subscribe to, it's going to drop on May 2nd. That's Tuesday. And so it's everywhere and it'll be on YouTube and all over, all, all over the place. So before we jump into some album cover topics, What's next for Phil? What's next for Girlfriend? Do you have any plans? Yeah. Is there anything in the future there? Yeah, I think Robin and I had such a great time doing Too Good. It really brought back... We had written so much material, so we made an album called Girlfriend the New Me, which was our debut. Mm-hmm. And, um, you know, we were just on a roll, and you never know. Like, you, back then, we put it out on CD. It was a big deal if you put your, your yeah. album out on CD. Now nobody cares. Right. You know, it's like, <laughs> Whatever. Now it's all back to vinyl. It's like, oh man, now you gotta go back. I wish I put the record out on vinyl. Right. Cassette is cool again. Yeah. Isn't that wild? Uh, It's crazy. And our first our first EP was a cassette release, and that was like a huge deal for us. Yeah. Yeah. That just even the money, like getting I remember like Robin's brother helped us do the run of cassettes and we sold them like at every show. So it was fun. You know, it's cool to kind of that's the cool thing about uh, being in a band, it feels like you're running your own business because you mm-hmm. really are. No one's going to do it for you. Right. You have Nobody's to. Nobody's going to do have it for to. you. You yeah. have to. I mean, even our deal was an indie deal. We had a Broadway producer give us the funding to do a pop record, our our first album. And that was so incongruous because when we had first gotten together, we met at like um, Arista Records. You know, there was a little bit of a, a small buzz on us. Mm-hmm. And, um, I think it's because we were we were writing really, you know, heartfelt songs, and we were playing out a lot. People loved it. We had a residency at a couple of clubs. We wound okay. up doing a residency at Cafe Chenet downtown, which is where Jeff Buckley actually did his debut debut Columbia album, Jeff Buckley Live from Chenet. Oh. So if you played at Chenet, that was our biggest goal as a band in New York City. It's like if we can book. Cafe Chenet, we will have made it in the music <laughs> That's business. It. That's it. We're right. Done. <laughs> because, you know, like you two had slipped in there some nights with Irish, yeah. it was an Irish cafe, and they serve like espresso and rolling rock. And the best bands and musicians were slipping in there to play. And it was a big deal, man. And we booked it. And yeah. we wound up playing there multiple, multiple nights. And, um, as long as well as a, a big club uptown called uh, Augie's back in the day. So I don't know. I think it's like you're running your own business. No one's going to do anything for you. You're yeah. doing it. It's a labor of love. Um, and so Girlfriend, when we did Too Good, we had such a great time working that song in the studio. I'm like, 
well, we've got Agrippa other tunes. We're going to do another one. Nice. And this one will feature Robin. I took the lead on this too good one because I'm an egomaniac. <laughs> Fills the star. Yeah, come on. Uh, that's awesome. So new music coming from Girlfriend. Absolutely. Sometime. But make Maybe sure even you... a record, you know, um, maybe what? just put out, oh, we got loads, loads of songs. <laughs> hey, come on. I'm here for it. So let's talk album covers because mm. this is technically a, a podcast talking about album cover design so mm. i threw some i threw a couple of these questions to phil so i wouldn't be you know catching him off right guard. so uh, first question is tell me an album cover that you would either say is like your your favorite album cover of all time or one of those that like you saw it and you picked it up and you bought it just because of the cover right i don't know how this album wound up in my very strict Catholic home, <laughs> but somehow Cheech and Chong's comedy album oh, called uh, Los Cochinos, which I guess translate into the the pigs, okay, it was a comedy yeah. album that came out. I'm looking at I just googled it, 1973. So I was like four years old when this album came out. <laughs> I, but we were older. My brother and I were older. I, it must have been my brother, my older brother, because he was a big influence. I mean, he would bring in all these albums like the Talking Heads and Bee Gees and all this stuff was <laughs> flying through Boston. Oh, yeah. But Boston. that album was basically Cheech and Chong in this old theater car. And then you'd pull out the sleeve with the album in it. And you'd see the inside of the door with all this weed stuffed in it. <laughs> so it was like the coolest album in the world. So it's like this this LP, okay? It's a yeah. vinyl album. Yeah. You see Cheech and Chong on the cover, and they're just like in the in the desert. It's all the side of a car. You pull out the album, and you see inside the door, and that's where their weed is. <laughs> I'm like, how did we? How did my brother, who's only like we're Irish twins. He's like ninety. I don't know. He's like just a little bit ahead of me. Right, right. So it's like, how did this record get in my house? I have no <laughs> idea. But that was like a big. Like I remember that record to this day. I'm like, that's, that's crazy. And it's a comedy album, and it's pretty funny. Yeah, <laughs> I love it. Cheech and Chong. What was the name of it again? Los Cochinos. Los the Cochinos. pigs. <laughs> So. And I love that, you know, we don't get that experience with music these days, you know, with the, the full cover anymore, because everything is digital. It's on right. Spotify or Apple. So you don't get that cover where you open it up and then you see the weed in the door. Like, that's yeah, like that's awesome. We need to bring that back. Robin and I were talking about that because I told her, oh, I'm going to go over to Josh's and do this, this podcast, which is really cool. And we were talking about favorite albums. And Robin said that half of the experience is you're just pouring over all the liner notes as the album plays mm -hmm. and you're really listening to it from the first needle drop all the way through it on the first side then you get up and then you flip it over and i think that's how you know she you should do a podcast with robin she went to almost every rock concert at madison square garden and has the ticket stubs what? saved in her diary which We'll probably have to burn, uh, but uh, or just like put those black lines over. Yeah, everything. yeah. We don't we don't need to you know, right. Read that but you can at least see like, oh, you went to Sticks in like yeah. 1981, and she saw the Who. So I don't know. You you, you learn who the band is. You learn yeah. who their engineer is. You yeah. learn who their producer is and their backup singers. I mean, now it's like you struggle for information. Yeah. On 
Spotify, I think, is the best because they at least give the band an opportunity to put a good bio. No, mm-hmm. Apple does that too, but yeah. Yeah. It's like, gosh, man, you just want to have that full experience. So Yeah, that's why I've got this. I've got Chicago 10, the candy bar over here. I love that. Dude, that, that thing is, that's a work of art. It's a work of art. And just the concept of it, because yeah. that's what it is. You're 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 opening the wrapper to something just sweet, man, Yeah, uh, whether you're a Chicago fan or not. Um, but the, just, that's cutting edge, man. Yeah. And that's all marketing. That's major label marketing. Yep. It's yep. epic, man. Yeah. We talked about your favorite album cover. What is your favorite from any music that you've released? Mm. What's one of your favorite album covers? And it doesn't have to be one of mine, but if it is, you get extra points. <laughs> oh, it, it won't be because, you know, I already, you know, told you it was like the 80s yeah. UK bands. I brought the T-shirt. So the police, the okay. police were a great band. Um, I guess they were like post-punk. But this album cover is, uh, I'm holding up the t-shirt. Yeah. It's from an album called Ghost in the Machine. And it was basically LED number lights yeah. turned into the band members' faces, which this okay. shirt doesn't do it justice. But when you look at the album, because before LED came out, or we were all watching, the you know, anal- it was all analog. Yeah. You know? There's yeah. no digital. So this was like a cutting edge album cover and it was a really cool album yeah um so that was a big one for me we definitely bought that um billy joel glass houses my cousins had that my cousins from new jersey we'd go up there and they'd have billy joel and or we'd bring up rem or my brother would bring in the rolling stones um what is your favorite though? I wanted the extra points. But <laughs> I knew it wasn't. I knew it wasn't going to get you with the police. <laughs> um, my favorite album cover of all time. I'm going to have to go with, uh, and I've already talked about it on the podcast, but the original Boston album. Oh, with the spaceship. Yeah, yeah. And partly because I didn't realize until about a year ago that those were actually guitars mm-hmm. in the spaceships. Oh, that was in your podcast. Yeah. I didn't realize that either. <laughs> I thought it was just a cool UFO. Yeah, I just thought it was really cool, but it wasn't until somebody pointed out. I'm like, I feel like the biggest idiot in the world. Like, how did I miss that? <laughs> I don't know because we're young we yeah. weren't you know we weren't yeah. i'm sure if we were like 30 year olds in the 1970s yeah. when that record came out we were like, oh yeah it's a guitar it looks like a ufo yeah. <laughs> but uh you know we're not we're, yeah we're just a couple dudes from later well wait a minute am I, i'm from this i'm from this late i was okay i grew up in the 70s <laughs> but i was a kid so i didn't buy that record my buddy had that record yeah yeah Great I wasn't album. I wasn't alive in the 70s. Barely made the 80s. <laughs> oh, you missed it. I anyone who missed the 80s, I feel so sad for you. The 80s were for me the most fun. Everything was happening. It, everything yeah. was bright. All the colors, the neon, <laughs> the leg warmers, the hairdos, <laughs> fast times at Ridgemont High. I don't know. Was, I love it. And that's when I started like music and acting too. So yeah. for me, I'll never forget it. I was just like, dude, yeah. this decade is like, you can just go out there and do whatever you want. That was the prime. Yeah, that was it. Now I'm just washed up. <laughs> uh, don't let him fool you guys. This guy isn't washed up. Okay. And then uh, one of my last questions that I've got. In your opinion, and this is going to be something, you know, for uh, aspiring writers, musicians, bands, stuff like that. But how important is it to have good visual identity pieces for your band or as an artist? Like, what's your opinion on that? I think it's huge, you know, especially when you track an album. So when you track an album, hopefully you're putting every your your 10 best songs 
in, into play, okay? And then you want to sequence those 10 best songs. So Robin was great at sequencing our set list. I would, you know, like, well, let's do this song. But she would knew the nuances. Like, well, no, you don't want to start high. You want to kind of take the audience on a journey. So she sequenced our debut album, Girlfriend, The New Me. And then um, we hired Dale May, our drummer, the professional photographer who shot the Baja Men, mm -hmm. among many, many, many other bands. He took the album cover, and we just let him run with the concept. He, was, he went to Parsons School of Design. He, not only was he a, an incredible drummer, he was a trained visual artist. And I'm a big believer in like just surrounding yourself with people who are just wildly talented. Like I want to be around people who are incredibly talented because I, you know, I don't have it all figured out. And he, we just let him run with it. We're like, yeah. He knew the songs because he came down to Virginia to do the album with us to record it. So he knew the emotion behind the songs. He knew what girlfriend was and he took the album cover shot that, at first, I hated it. Well, I didn't hate it, but I felt like, well, that's not me, because we look like Mary Tyler Moore and Frankie Valli yeah, on, on yeah. the cover. And then we had a graphic designer named Brian McGinnis, who was from Virginia, and I'd met him at a gallery opening in New York City. And now today, he's like a world-famous artist. I mean, you can look up Ryan McGinnis. He's like in the MoMA. It's crazy. Come on. <laughs> so he did the graphics and he did our girlfriend logo, the heart and lips logo. Yeah. So just letting those two guys run with it. Like I didn't even say, oh, here's my concept. This is what I'm thinking. They listened to the music. Dale knew the music. Ryan listened to the music. And those guys created what became the album cover. So I'm a firm believer, like hire the best people in the world. Come on. I mean, hire the best. I'm not a photographer. I'm not going to have my buddy shoot and back then we're shooting film yeah so i'm not gonna yeah. have my buddy just shoot like with his pentax you know like my band i'm like dude we got a budget to make a record i'm hiring a pro right so that's let's use it let's yeah. use it use yeah. those funds yeah yeah even no. if you don't have the funds hire the pro somehow some way right and you know i think it's one of those things that if if you want people to take your your music or your band and stuff like that seriously like you need to take it seriously as well and and there are a lot of tools out there you know in the digital age you know uh, these iPhones have more power than Crazy. computers and stuff like that did when y'all were yeah, making the girlfriend albums and stuff like that but um there's a lot that you can do yourself but i think it's also important to get an outside um, I get someone that, that knows what they're doing to, to help you out. Yeah. It's like, I, you know, I would love to do a music video for too good. And so I'll listen to the track and I love that song. It's a fun song. It's a, yeah. and I, I think, well, where would I shoot it? I'd probably shoot it in New York city. I could shoot it here in Chattanooga where we're doing this podcast. Yeah. Um, but I think about every song I've done, I've always thought like, well, what would be a cool music video? And so for too good, I would shoot it. On the Upper West Side, where we're from as a band, I would maybe shoot it in black and white. Ooh. And, you know, I'd have a lot of killer, like, interiors in a Manhattan Upper West Side apartment. <laughs> and I'd be on the in Riverside Park with my girl. And, you know, yeah. but I don't, that's as far as I get with these ideas. So that's yeah. why, I, like, I'd yeah. have to go to a buddy and be like, hey, Josh, can you direct this music video? I have, like, zero idea what I want out of this thing. And just let you come up with it. Yeah. And that's a lot of fun. Yeah. No, I love it. And uh, I appreciate getting to work with you. 
Um, so this would be like our fourth project working together. Yes. Um, so I got to design the the cover for Too Good, and I love it. Like you had some ideas, you threw some stuff, but you're just like Josh. Just do. do. I I really didn't know what it would look like, and then when you came up with this girl with her back to us, with the blonde braid and the girlfriend logo on the back, and then Too Good and like silver sharpie on the top right, I was like. Dang, that's it, man. I, <laughs> yeah. Like I loved that cuz her back's to me. She's I don't register. It it worked and it kind of I sent it to a friend of mine in LA. He's like, "Oh, dude, it reminds me of the Loverboy album cover, which <laughs> yeah. is the guy's butt in like <laughs> red leather jeans. Yeah. Nobody wants to see that." Yeah. But, you know, it, that again, that's an iconic album cover yeah. now. But yeah. um no, I think like what you did with that, it just it just gave it a spin that I would. Uh, sometimes I'm just too close to the song. I have no no clue. Yeah. For marketing, you know what, how what what does this look like? Yeah, yeah. No, so I definitely appreciate it. Um, there will be some photos and stuff that that linked on my website. So that's jwcrates.com/slash/notes, um, and there will be a tab that says "Judged by the Cover," and you'll be able to see. We'll throw in some photos of the the album covers that we've talked about. Some cool stuff of Phil. Um, so I know we already kind of know where to find your music, but how can people follow you? Where do people find you? I just, you know, I always go to like, I just have had philhighland.com forever. So, and that's just a place where I'll post like demos or B songs that I consider B sides. Obviously my new stuff is up there. Um, but I, I, I definitely love my website. So I go to philhighland.com. And uh, that's where you can find me or just type in my name on uh, Apple Music or Spotify. And you can also find him on the gram, too, if, uh, oh, if that's you just right. look up for uh, Phil Highland. Phil, at Phil Highland. Yep, yep. And what's funny, this is totally unrelated, but every time I go to spell your name, I try to put a Y in Phil. So, Dude, that's a girl name. That's my Aunt Phyllis, man. I know. And people that do that, I, some people that spell my name with a Y, I'm like, Dude, that's not cool. It's not cool, man. So it's P H I L, not yeah. Y L. Sorry yeah. if I mess anybody up. Right. But Phil, I appreciate I appreciate your friendship. Oh, thank you. Um, you are like you are a constant networker. Like this dude knows everybody, and he's just like, Oh yeah, I met this guy. I worked with him in logistics. Everybody's worked in logistics, I guess. Yeah. But <laughs> well, again, when you're a jack of all trades, yeah. you know, part of me is like, Oh, I wish I went to college or got in the military and followed and had like more a more stable uh upbringing in terms yeah. of job stuff just isn't my story man i'm a yeah. i'm a hustler yeah you know? and when yeah. you're a hustler you just meet everybody yeah come on don't that's, be that, shy don't that, be shy that's how you make it that's that's what i'm having to learn right now because i am too shy but i appreciate people like phil um so we'll have to do this again and we'll have to do like a girlfriend uh interview and get robin in here because you it get the like real Ro- side of the story robin's got all the cool stories it she does like. <laughs> and we'll have her bring her uh diary yeah there you all go. The, the concerts i just looked at uh, well can I tell her? She showed me. She showed me. <laughs> You're not sneaking and looking at her. She showed me. I did read a little bit of it, though, and it was, oh, Lord. Uh, I didn't need to know that. <laughs> <laughs> cool. All right. Well, thank you, Phil. Everybody go check out Too Good by Girlfriend featuring Phil Highland. Um, go buy it. Share it with your friends. Make sure everybody hears this song. So thank you, Phil. Thank you, Josh.
proud member of the Podnuga Network.